0: You can find them at megavoice.com or you'll find a link in the show notes and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Hola, soy Steve Bremner. Soy hospedor de Fire on Your Head. Y usted está escuchando... Engaging Missions Show, con Brian Ensminger.
1: Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger.
0: In this week's episode of the Engaging Missions show, we're going to talk about how to get it all done when you're a broken person ministering to and through broken people about how just walking out our faith daily accomplishes amazing things and about how to overcome discouragement, despair, and overwhelm through enjoyment. And that's just the first 10 minutes. But before we get to that, I do have a prayer request and an opportunity from Curtis Sargent. He was our guest in episode number 38, which is now over 100 episodes ago. He's in the process of developing and implementing a new project called Zumei. It's all about equipping every believer to live out the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. They're looking for prayer partners and also for volunteers to help them implement this. And if that sounds interesting, you'll want to check that out. You'll find links to that in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Tony M. Daniels. That's T-O-N-I, the letter M, Daniels. With that, we're going to get right into this week's episode. All right. Well, welcome to the Engaging Missions show. Today, I'm really happy to have Tony M. Daniels with me. I actually met her online through a friend of mine, Paul Quillman. He introduced us and said, hey, you need to talk to her. She has been a missionary to Uruguay for about 18 years, along with her husband, Matthew. And she's now the director of the Geronimo Center for Innovation and Leadership. And she's the author of a book called Back to Joy and I want to talk just a second about that book because it's really interesting. It reads almost like a private diary, but there's there's really practical applications. I haven't read the whole thing, but the parts I have read I really enjoyed. So, Tony, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks a lot, Brian, for having me. It's great to be here.
0: This is a huge privilege for me. It's not every day that I get to talk to an author, and I really I want to say this <laughs> at the outset. I just so appreciate how open and how honest you were with the book. You know, as I think about what you've shared, some people might look at that and see it as weak or, or something. But I see it as such a valuable model for us to understand. I, I appreciate your transparency, your honesty, and really how much like the Psalms that you referenced, this book reads.
2: Well, thank you, thank you. I am um, glad to be here, and um, I'm nervous. This is my first <laughs> podcast interview ever. <laughs> So um yeah I'm incredibly nervous and um that just goes right along with the book I guess it's all out there um and I'm I just hope that being vulnerable and open it will serve in some way to help people know they're not alone. I think that was my main uh purpose in in being vulnerable and sharing things that most people don't share. Yeah,
0: yeah. And and I want to say, you know, just right to you, don't be nervous. God tells us to take courage (laughs) and it's really him that's on display. It's not us.
2: Totally. But it's okay to be nervous. That's the whole point of the book, I think is that even in our feelings that we don't want to feel, if we sense Jesus there with us, then the joy is there. And, um, and that's how we get through them. Um, not by denying them or trying not to feel them, but by feeling them and then sensing him with us in them. So, um, that's kind of my mode. Um, my mode of being these days is just bring it on, you know, whether it's nervous or overwhelm or fear, just bring it on because I can face it and feel it and feel him with me in it. So thank you for those words though. I will, (laughs) I will try not to be nervous, but I'll also just settle down in him and let him hold me while we're in this interview.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, so as the director of the Geronimo center, you've, you've been in Uruguay for over 18 years and you've, You've now written a book. You've been through difficult times. You've been resource constrained. You've worked with difficult and broken people. In all of this, you've also accomplished a lot of stuff. How did you get it all done?
2: (laughs) I mean, I really laugh because the whole time we were there, we felt like we were trudging through mud you know, and and you feel like nothing happens, nothing, day after day after day after day. And when you're in the States, it's like everything runs efficiently. We live in a very first world country. So, you know, yes, things break and computers don't work and stuff, but nothing like in a third world country. And so we tend to do church in a very um, excellent kind of polished sort of way here and even church planting and um, and that just didn't work in Uruguay because nothing works like that in Uruguay. And so we, we, we really most of the time felt like nothing was happening at all. And so part of me thinks that, one, God's at work when we weren't doing anything. <laughs> and, and that's beautiful. <laughs> We're just there and he's working all around us. Um, but two, um, I think it sounds a lot more glamorous than it actually is when you're living it. Mm. And, um, yeah, I mean, you say all those things and I just laugh because I'm like, dang, I just tried to survive and feed my children, you know, and, and love the people around me, you know, like that's all I was trying to do every day. <laughs> um, but yet these other things happened. And, um, so yeah, I, I, we managed to do it only because we were just literally holding on to to each other and to God in a very, very uh, real way. Um, cause there's no other way we would have have made it, I think, and, and listening to him and following him and doing what he, what we sensed him telling us to do.
0: So, at, you know, I, I definitely want to get to a time when you faced a challenge and I know there were a bunch of them cause I read about some of them in the book, <laughs> But before we get there, you really keyed in on something. I know that some of the people who listen to this show are in the U.S. and they're in the marketplace, but also some of the people who listen to the show are involved in some kind of church planting or some kind of overseas missions thing. And in those cross-cultural contexts, a lot of times they can face a lot of discouragement. What would you share with somebody who's starting to get a little bit discouraged?
2: Oh, you, you know, I think that um, there's a lot of power in, in being enjoyed by somebody and enjoying someone mm. and it, it increases our capacity to suffer anything, whether it's discouragement or overwhelm or hopeless despair. And I think that unfortunately most people underestimate the power of that. Mm. And and we're so focused on performing, performing, performing and results. Whereas God is so much more focused on being and enjoying. And so I think and for us, you know, focusing on, can I just enjoy my child today? You know, can I enjoy my husband? Can I let my husband enjoy me today? Can I let a friend enjoy me over coffee? Because when we're in ministry, we think we have to give all the time, you know, and and then we get discouraged if our giving doesn't produce the results we think it should give. Um, and, and I think that it's about letting go of that and letting yourself be enjoyed and enjoying. And, and in that, you grow the strength to endure whatever situation's going on. So I would say if you're discouraged right now or depressed, you know, get with a friend, have a cup of coffee and enjoy each other, you know, and let go of some of that and share, you know, be honest about your feelings. Because that's what we we often guilt ourselves for feeling those things and for feeling discouraged, you know, like I shouldn't because I know God's in control. And instead of just saying, no, I do. And God wants to meet me here. And that's a totally different place than, you know, I shouldn't. And therefore, I'm going to try to deny that I'm feeling that way. So I would definitely encourage community and then just being honest about that and, and looking for Jesus in it instead of guilting or shaming yourself for feeling those things.
0: That, that was powerful. Now, I do want to go back, though, because I talked about a challenge and there were a ton of them listed in your book. After nearly two decades of ministry, there almost certainly are. But could you share with us? one particular time just, and you can choose just one particular time when you were facing a significant challenge or something going on in your life and God really came through for you?
2: You know, it's really, really hard to pick one because like you said, I mean, there's probably over a hundred in that book. Um, and, and of course, the one that will come to mind probably, you know, who knows if it, it wasn't the most important, you know, or, or it's just one, you know, one of many, 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 but the one that comes to mind right now, because... Um, I didn't even answer this beforehand in my head. I thought I'm just going to let this come, but um, I don't know if I even shared this one in my book because I was. I know I'm. I'm writing a book on parenting next, parenting back to joy. So um, I wanted to save some of my more parenting moments for that book. But um, but this one was really a doozy, um, and it, and it it wasn't too long ago. I guess it was probably 2012. Um, so maybe three years now, my oldest daughter who was 12 at the time, um, she was, she was cutting and I don't know if you're some of the listeners might not even know what that is, but um it's when you feel overwhelmed emotionally and so you cut yourself to to kind of ease the pain to make the the pain on the outside match the pain on the inside. And it apparently was the rave, you know a few years back and probably still is among teenagers because of the internet. They all find out about it and then they do it. and so you can only imagine um I was you know com- com- being missionaries and being the concern you know the, the yeah. family that we are. <laughs> It was quite a, a painful shock when that happened, and as we were working through it um, with her without professional help and without any, any resources down there, um, you know, I, we went to Jesus and, and listened to him, and one of the questions that we ask, um, and, and I think this was the first, no, it was the second time I'd asked this question, really, but whenever there's a, an unsolvable problem, you know, I often go to Jesus and I ask him, how does this end? Like, can you please show me how this ends? Give me an image. Give me a sign. Give me something of how this ends so that I can endure what I need to endure to get to the end, you know? And um, as my husband and I quieted, and I, I'm sure I cried my eyes out and was journaling all my feelings about the situation and the hopelessness and the anger and the, you know, is it my fault? I mean, there's so much shame that's that's involved in all yeah. of that as a parent. And, um, and I sensed, I sensed this image of my daughter on the cross with Jesus, right? And, and she's kind of, um, he's got her in his arms, um, even though he's still on the cross, he's kind of holding her, but she's not facing him. She's facing away from him. And in the image, um, I see her elbow him in the stomach, drop to the ground and take off running. And, um, and I just laughed and I said, yeah, Jesus, that's my daughter. She will do that. (laughs) And, um, because she's so stubborn, she's always been really strong-willed and so, uh, what are you going to? To do about it you know is, is kind of the way I was asking him and he drops to the ground and he takes off after her and they run for a while and then all of a sudden for no reason whatsoever that I can see in the image she just stops down her tracks and turns around and faces him and he catches up to her and they're face to face just a few inches apart And then she tags him, and then she jumps off of this, like, 100-foot cliff and dives into a river. (laughs) Um, And I look at Jesus again, and I'm like, what are you going to do? And is that death? I mean, I don't even know what that is. Does she end up killing herself in the end? Like, I'm freaking out, right? So he goes in after her, and he jumps in after her. And they almost look like it's playful, like it was tag, you know, like tag, you're it. And she jumps off, and... And I, I asked, you know, I asked him, what is that? And he said, your daughter, <laughs> I sensed him say, your daughter will do things that no one else will ever do because of the courage that's in her. Mm. She's pushing against you right now. But when when that turns, it's going to be powerful. And she has what it takes to jump off a hundred foot ledge for me without fear, you know, and, and just letting that sink in. Of course, I was crying my eyes out. Mm. And then... um they end up, she swims to a bank and gets out and he gets out and they're having a meal together and they're laughing and she's letting him enjoy her. And, and they're just sitting on this bank, um, just enjoying each other. And, and I just wept and wept and wept and wept. And, and at the end of that moment with Jesus, you know, I don't, You know, I still don't know. Is that heaven or is it on this side? I don't know. I don't interpret these images. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've learned not to. Um, I just know that that is how this ends. And whether that's on the the other side or whether it's here, it really doesn't matter because this is nothing compared to eternity. And that's where she ends. Um, and that gave me such peace in the midst of three years of watching my daughter cut herself, you know, try to kill herself, go through rehab, you know, do you know, play with drugs, um, you know, go through kind of this dark black stage. And we went through all of it in three years. And but I was able to go through it with complete and perfect peace going, you know what? I know how this ends. (laughs) And and I just have to listen to Jesus and be faithful and do the next step and, and, and not need to control her or force her or manipulate her to believe in Jesus or, you know, because I knew that he was after her. And so that, that was amazing for me, honestly, as a parent, I I just go parenting with Jesus is the only way to go. (laughs) The only way to go, especially when the road is like that.
0: Wow. So as you're sharing that, my first thought is how bold for you to be willing to share that. I'm, you know, for someone who's a missionary, that's really not easy to share. It's not easy to talk about that kind of thing because there can be a tendency to think that people are judging you. So as, as you think about that time, though, I, I would imagine that your time with Christ and the scriptures definitely helped you get through that. How, how did you get through that? Was it just that one image or was there a lot of stuff that went into that?
2: Um, yeah, you know, there were a lot of a lot of stuff that went in, a lot of images, a lot of listening to Jesus in community, a lot of praying together for her, um a lot of work on ourselves. Um I have you know I've been through extensive counseling myself, trauma recovery, um especially in the last year our sabbatical. I just spent the whole sabbatical. Um, Really just taking care of myself and um, processing emotions, crying a lot, mourning and grieving. I think the grieving process was probably the hardest, believe it or not, because mm-hmm. you have this, these concepts in your mind of what you, you expect your children to be when they grow up or just period, mm-hmm. <laughs> just to be, you know, and, and the relationship that you want to have with them. And you start to realize that none of that is really in your control and that the only thing in my control is to love her to love her. And so I realized very quickly on that I needed the help that I needed so that I could love her the way Jesus loved me and um and that took a lot of of training my brain it took a lot of uh letting jesus heal my wounds and letting him go to my past and take care of issues that i had with my parents and with myself um it has been a long journey for myself um for me and my husband we both saw that early on in in our parenting life um so yes it's been a lot of work it's been a lot of work to parent well and and we say that you know um we could have just not parented well and not done any of this work um Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and i think the other the other hardest part is going god you know like you said what other people might think of you when you're Mm -hmm. going through the process and you know and how people judge you and they do you know and when you see someone you know a couple for example who don't believe in god and you know one of them's an alcoholic and a workaholic and their children look just fine (laughs) and you're like god how can it be you know that we love you that we've given our life to you that we've served you, and this is what you've done with our children like this is your <laughs> this is your payback you know, so I think that that's been that's been some hard things to work through on our own, you know that have little to do with her and her recovery, but our um our us and our recovery um so yeah self care and um and really um growing and maturing ourselves so that we can, um, be, uh, non-anxious leaders in her life. I think that that's been a lot of work and, and we have done it in community with great mentors and great coaches, and there's no way we would have done it without them.
0: Are there any meaningful, like a key or meaningful scripture in your life?
2: You know, Isaiah, I used to have lots of scriptures when I was like this big, strong Christian um, that just, you know, had it all together.
0: <laughs> well, if you figure <laughs> out how to do that, let me know.
2: <laughs> exactly. Now, b- believe it or not, Isaiah thirty fifteen 15 is um, probably my favorite and what I go back to more often than any other scripture these days, the last like six years. And, it, and specifically the part it says in, in repentance and rest is your salvation in quietness and trust is your strength. Um, and that just says it all. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that you keyed in on rest. That's, that's a, that's almost a dirty word, isn't it? Sometimes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it is. Especially when you're doing it and you feel guilty. Yeah. (laughs) That Protestant work ethic, right? We're never supposed to rest. We're supposed to burn it all for Jesus, you know?
0: Oh, you're totally speaking my language. That's something I continue (laughs) to struggle with as well. With that, though, we are going to take a quick break, uh, take a quick rest, if you will. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit and talk a little bit more about the book.
1: Okay, great. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions.
3: Hi, this is Scott McClellan with your Leadership Moment. Thanks for joining us. We're in the middle of a series on overcoming obstacles on the path to influence. Also, um, this could be subtitled, How We Get Hurt in the Leader-Follower Relationship. Hopefully, it's how we keep from getting hurt in the Leader-Follower Relationship. I'm Scott McClellan. As I uh, join this idea or think about this, roll it around in my head, I, I wanted to encourage and be a blessing because I know there are many pitfalls on the road to growing into maturity and influence. And I personally have had a, a a big grouping of experiences here, not all of them pleasant. So I'm hoping you can learn from my mistakes and my difficulties and make the most on your path uh, to what God's called you to do. I'd like to say also thanks a lot to the guys at engaging mission show, uh, who've helped to stand up this podcast as a standalone and, uh, we just want to encourage you to check out Engaging Missions and see what you can do or benefit from partaking in what they're making available. It's a real blessing. This week we're talking about expectations and maybe those uh, those things, you know, they, they can really trip you up, expectations, uh, specifically if they are unrealistic or if in relationships you have a mismatch of expectations, not specifically necessarily about the relationship itself, but are we creating expectations that are clear and are we committing to what we think we are? Expectations are difficult and they can be challenging, but if we get our if we get parity of expectations in relationships and in things that we're doing together, we can navigate around a lot of shipwrecks and continue to go forward and do well in our collaborative efforts. And that's my hope for you. When it comes to expectations, let me ask you a question. Would you be comfortable with someone putting expectations, the same expectations on you that you are putting On your leaders. Now, think before you respond. Internally, think before you respond to this question. Would you be comfortable with someone putting the exact same expectations on you that you are putting on your leaders? It's a really good question. Here's another one for you Can you humble yourself? What if you're right in the middle of a project and someone's expecting you to do something that you're expecting them to do? Now, that's a recipe for necessary humility if this isn't going to blow up. Can you humble yourself? Can you make sure to understand before you seek to be understood? Humbling yourself, especially relative to expectations. What about flexibility? Are you committed to flexibility in your collaborative efforts? Blessed are the flexible, for they won't be bent out of shape. Right? I didn't... Come up with that, but I enjoyed it when I heard it, and I incorporated it. Blessed are the flexible, for they will not be bent out of shape. Now, the way to overcome mismatched expectations is transparent communication. You hurt me; I'm hurt. Those are actually things that we don't want to say, but they sometimes are necessary. The way to overcome mismatched expectations is transparent communication with the individual or group that the mismatch exists with transparent communication requires trust you're going to have to trust in order to risk transparency and even though that's dangerous it's worthwhile transparent communication and trust you got to step out there thanks for joining for the leadership moment Come back next week when we'll be talking about mentoring relationships and the obstacles related to those. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. Until next time, have a good one.
1: This Leadership Moment was produced in partnership with Engaging Missions. Have your leadership question answered by contacting Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit FX Missions to learn more about how you can grow your leadership and engage in missions. Visit engagingmissions.com for encouragement, insight, and resources from missionaries, ministry leaders, and church planters.
0: All right, we're back with Tony M. Daniels. She's just been sharing a lot of really cool stuff from her life and I just appreciate the honesty that she's she's given us so far. That's been really meaningful to me. Now, Tony, as we shift our focus more toward the book, obviously we've been talking about it because it's framed up nearly everything I know about you, but it was written in a really distinctive way. Who is this book for?
2: Um, You know, I think... Originally, it was for myself, which is kind of selfish of me right now, but um, I started writing it because I wanted to remember the great things God had done for me, and I knew that if I didn't collect them into one place, that they would kind of just stay in journals spanned over 18 years, you know, in an attic somewhere. So I really sensed this need to collect them all together, so I started doing that about two years ago, and the more I worked on it, the more I just sensed that verse where Jesus Jesus said, "What I tell you in secret, shout from the rooftops." Or it actually might be an Old Testament verse. Now that yeah. I think about it, but anyway, where God said, "What I tell you in secret, shout from the rooftops," and I just kept asking, "What do you? What do you mean by that?" You know, and I just sensed I need to publish this. This is not just for me. So when I started asking, "Well, then, who is it for?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not just for me. Um, you know, I really, as I wrote it, I I intended it to be. Um, for anyone who who struggles with their emotions, which, I mean, as you've said, I think everyone struggles with their emotions, but people struggle in very different ways, and this is specifically geared towards people who uh, feel a, a great deal, but they don't really know where it's coming from or how to, how to deal with it, um, but also people who might not feel at all and need access into that, mm. because... Through this book, I think um, you can start to feel in ways you haven't felt before. So a lot of men, for example, um, who have read the book have given that review to me that, wow, men need this because it's helped put into words things that I have felt most of my life but I never knew, you know, and and I never would have expressed it, you know. So, um, yeah, I really think it is for everyone, Um, but some people will get more out of it, and and it depends on when you're ready, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're ready to process and to go deeper. So, for example, I probably wouldn't give it to an 18-year-old child, you know, a young adult or a 16-year-old, because a lot of them, they're not really ready to process emotional things yet at that level necessarily. Um, So, you know, it could be for maybe a 25 and up sort of um, age range, um, but definitely people who are in the thick of life and who want real, um, real life, practical help on, you know, what, how does this work? How does this Christian life work?
0: That's really good. You know, I want to key in on one thing that it was almost kind of a throwaway as you were talking about it, but, you talked about how you were just putting this together to remember the great things God did for you. That's a really, really strong principle. And so for for you as the listener, because t- Tony's shared this, I'd just like to encourage you, if you don't already, find a way to keep track of what God's done. Because as you look over your life, when you face those next times when you're starting to question, you're starting to wonder, you have something to look back to. And it's your story, not somebody else's. And that's really powerful.
2: Well, and you know, Brian, yeah. it, honestly... When I when I was first a missionary, but probably like 2002, I remember reading that verse in the Bible and going, "I don't even know what great things He's done for me." Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about the cross. I mean, you know what I mean? Because yeah. that's so generic. Everybody, you know, okay, He did this great thing. Okay, He died on the cross. Well, great, but what does that have to do with my life now? You know, <laughs> like, what has He really done for me? And and I realized that I really didn't have anything um, real significant to to remember. And that's, that was a huge changing point in my life where I said, God, I, I know you're doing great things for me every day. You know, I know, but I'm not seeing it. So can you please help me enter into a relationship with you where I actually see and experience you doing these things? And then of course, writing them down, you know, to start that, that legacy,
0: very important for me. So one of the things that I really appreciated after I got into the book, I didn't so much appreciate it at the beginning. But once I started (laughs) reading was, you know, the, the way it's laid out, you basically have a few experiences that kind of highlight what God's done in your life. And then you have some application, a way to take it away in a small group or even by yourself. What led you to lay the book out that way?
2: You know, that was a really hard thing to to do that, to I'm figure dead. out how to, how to lay it out to begin with. Um, and I think that, What I'm, what I'm trying to help people see is a process and it's, it's a Mm -hmm. very intuitive nonverbal process. So, so you really have to read the whole book and then back up a hundred feet and, and kind of look at all of it to get the process. But I, so it's subtle, it's a very subtle (laughs) thing, but it's one of those subtle things that I think gets into the subconscious, you know, um, the back door, you know, to the brain so that, um, because it's a very experiential book and so but I wanted I wanted people to see that that life with Christ is a process it's not like you know he healed me today and I'm great and I never struggle with this again you know and so through the time because I put it in chronological order so through years, and if you can can capture the the time passing, which a friend of mine said, you know what, I need a timeline. You need to draw mm. a timeline for the book. And maybe I will and put that on one of the resources on the internet. You know, for people, I just couldn't do it before the book was published. But he just wanted to see all of these moments on a timeline, like in dots. Because, okay. And I think that, that probably would help because what you see is, the, the time in my life before I understood joy and before I understood interactive appreciation, um, you know, I, I, I sensed God randomly, you know, it was like, it, it was by accident almost, you know, it was kind of like it happened, but I didn't know how or why. And I was really appreciative, but wow, you know, then 10 years would pass, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, so I didn't have this daily listening, daily hearing his voice, daily sensing him say, I love you, you know? And then once joy came into my life and, appreciation and silence and solitude, it like picks up and it's like every single day almost, you know, there's a new word from Jesus or there's him holding me constantly, you know, and so I have this this very visceral walking with him physically almost sensation of being close to him that has evolved. But even in that, there's tremendous emotional struggle you know? So that, I think that was the, the, the reason I laid it out the way I did, because I wanted people to see the evolution of what it looks like to grow in a relationship with Jesus or what it looked like for me and and the key things that were really important. And then also that even, one, even when you've come to a place where you sense him with you all the time, you're still in emotional turmoil. It, it doesn't take that away.
0: Mm. Yeah, that, yeah, that's really big, because I think a lot of times we forget that we are in the process of being conformed into the likeness of Christ. It's not just that that one-time thing. You you also shared in your book quite a bit about through your experiences really about the value of being quiet before God. I definitely think that's a deficit in our lifestyles and our lifestyles and our culture. I certainly see that in my own life. Can you share a little bit more about the value of being quiet and letting God guide the conversation?
2: Uh yeah, it it was, like you said, it was completely countercultural, cultural um, even Christian cultural. You know, I was taught in my faith. Uh, you know, I've, I've been journaling and having a quiet time since, since I was 12 years old, but it was never wow. quiet. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, Interestingly, I mean, I was by myself, so in that way it was quiet, but I was always doing something. You know, I'm mm. always reading the Bible, memorizing Scripture, praying for the world. You know, like you had a huge list of things you had to do. During your quiet time, and wow. one of those things was never just sit and let God enjoy you, <laughs> sit and feel loved. You know, like that—that that wasn't there because how did I feel love? I only felt love if I was doing the things I was supposed to do to be a good Christian. So again, it was a very works-based uh, system, uh, you know, disguised as a grace-based system. Very yeah. strange, but. Um, so when I, and I, it was the, the Dallas Willard book, um, the spirit of the disciplines yeah. and uh, the life model book by Dr. James, Jim Walter. who th- those two books coming in at the same time were very instrumental in helping me see, I need to learn to quiet and, uh, quiet my mind, um, and, and be okay being alone because I was also afraid of being alone. I, I was a heavy extrovert and I did not, um, I didn't like to be alone for long periods of time. I, I didn't feel loved if I wasn't with people who loved me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that was huge for me to learn. To um, quiet my mind and and learn to be okay being alone because I learned I wasn't alone. I had Jesus there and I had myself there even and and so it was a huge maturity piece for me um learning that skill, and you know in the end it, it actually is the single most important skill for mental health is the ability to quiet yourself, um, you know who would have thought right? yeah. So then letting God guide the conversation. Uh, the one thing I have to say about that is it's as scary as I'll get out. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> it is, we are not in control. You know, when I come to God in my quiet time or my devotional time or whatever, and I have a plan, you know, I'm going to read the book in the Bible, uh, the Bible in a year. And this is my plan today, or Mm -hmm. I'm going to pray for this country today, or I'm going to do this today, or I'm going to do that. And we have, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say that you should never plan what you're going to do, but I tended to, that was my control piece, you know, but when we come to Jesus and we go, I have an hour with you, or I have three days with you, depending on if it's a retreat or if it's just a time with him. And I don't even know what we're going to do in this time. Mm. I'm just going to come and go, hi, I'm here. What do you want to do? that's out of your control, and you don't know how it's going to end, and you don't know what he's going to do, and he's a wild God. So he might just decide to take you outside in the woods and go walking with you, or maybe he'll want to dance with you, which could be very vulnerable. Or maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe he wants you to read the Bible today, and he has a verse for you, you know. Um, but it's, it's, you never know what's going to happen. And I find that we don't like that. We don't like not being in control. And so it's very uncomfortable. And so I'm still very uncomfortable when I go to be in long periods of time with him. It's still scary. You know, at the beginning I I get nervous inside and all of that. And then I laugh at myself that I do that, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, Tony, come on. He's your lover. He's your best friend. Like, why are you nervous? But it just happens because it's that unknown. It's the out-of-control unknown piece, I think, that is is hard for all of us.
0: You know, my kids do the same thing. If I want to surprise them by taking them somewhere, even if I tell them that they're going to enjoy it, they still want to tell me where to go or they want to know (laughs) in advance. And I can totally see that from myself, too. So it's it's not like they don't come by it naturally. (laughs) That's right. Now, in in chapter four, you mentioned a pattern. You shared something that you'd noticed in the Psalms, and I've recognized this pattern of honesty and then replacing fear or discouragement with faith. But you really took that a step further. Can you share a little bit more about what what you what you had in the book?
2: Yeah, I think the the piece that might be new um, is the the uh, what we call interactive appreciation piece. Um, yeah, you know, because it's, he was. I think I share about being honest about your emotions, but then there's this: be thankful and, mm-hmm. and remember the great things God has done. Right, and then there's the trust piece, and that in that that be thankful for what God has done. Um, I, I'm a student of the life model and um, Emmanuel approach, which that might not mean anything, but we talk about interactive appreciation, and that that appreciation is where we actually enter into a memory where I sensed incredible appreciation so I don't just think of, God, thank you for the sun, it's so beautiful today, or thank you for the wind, it's gorgeous, or thank you for my kids, or thank you for, you know, so it's not mm-hmm. kind of a superficial listing the things that we remember, it's actually letting your your physical body remember those things in your imagination. So I would go to, in my head, for example, um, you know, a moment with Jesus that I sensed him close with me on the beach, you know, and, um, and sensing him holding me. And and physically, your body can feel the same feelings that it felt in that moment because your imagination is that powerful and he made our imagination that powerful. And so when we relive our appreciation moments, um, interestingly, brain science has proven that we're actually more able to sense the divine to sense God's presence in moments of appreciation yeah. so um, that's the beautiful piece of that is I can go from you know a really terrible feeling of overwhelm or hopeless despair but if I can quiet and go to an appreciation memory not give thanks for the bad things that are happening to me right now I don't mm-hmm. think that's what that verse means when it says be thanks in all things I think it means go to where you were thankful to a moment that was beautiful and 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 appreciative feel it with everything in your body because in that moment you're going to sense god and that's what you need to do to get through the hard thing is sense god's presence right Mm -hmm. so and and as he speaks to us in that appreciation place and then we can even ask him about this is how i'm feeling about this other thing we can hear his voice in that. And then trust is the natural overflow of that time. It just happens because how can you not trust a God that meets you and loves you and tells you what you need and gives you what you need to get through? Mm. So So trust doesn't pull myself up on my bootstraps and just have faith and get on with it because I'm a strong Christian. It's the overflow of coming in weakness before Jesus and letting him minister to us and wash our feet and breathe life into us. And and then we, we can trust because we have what we need.
0: Wow, that was powerful. With that, we are going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus one last time
4: toward our listeners.
1: Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show.
4: Yeah, I'll start with it. We could go on for hours, probably, because it was amazing, um, and there's all kinds of things that I even learned in the process just from that particular trip. But one of the one of the really powerful ones was that we. We go into these villages and uh, it's 105 degrees and they've gathered to meet with us um, because this is, in this case, it's part of a network. So they already know that that we're coming and they have some people that may not be believers or are new believers or uh, they're seeking God and, and uh, learning about Jesus. We walked into this one village and as we pulled up in, in the truck and got out, um, I don't speak the language, but I see this mother who is sitting on this, under this tree in the shade where we're going to meet holding this child that is just deformed really bad and I shouldn't say deformed but like her head was twisted back her arms were bent out of shape and uh, man my heart broke because the, I could tell that this mother had to hold this child often and, uh, and I thought you know here we are where you've got seven houses surrounding one village hand pump and you pump water into a bucket and that's what you wash with and that's what you drink and that's what you do everything uh, there's no electricity and I thought what kind of life is this child going to have growing up and my heart the compassion in me just kind of took over and i just went up and asked the mom if i could hold her baby
1: if you enjoyed that you won't want to miss a single episode of the engaging missions show subscribe in itunes or stitcher to have it delivered automatically visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe that's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe
0: all right, we're back with Tony Daniels. We're shifting our focus now toward you as the listener. She's been sharing some really, really amazing stuff. But now we're going to focus more specifically on you. So, Tony, as I think about our listeners, you know, some are called into full-time ministry. A lot are called into the marketplace but care very much about missions, about church planning, about that sort of thing. But if you could see just one transformation in the lives of our listeners or perhaps the people who read your book, what would that one transformation be?
2: Um, you know, I think the one the one thing would be don't ever underestimate the power of enjoying someone, just enjoying them, um, because we do we underestimate it. We we so demand more from ourselves, I think, than God does most of the time. But Jesus is on mission, seeking and saving all that was lost within us and around us, and in the relationships and in the structures of society. And the way we follow Him on that mission um, is is to enjoy is to enjoy people like he enjoys us because that's what he does you know while we were sinners he died for us because he loved us God loved the world that he gave his son so even when we were sinners he loved us loved us so much and thought we were so valuable that he died for us and that was his biggest act it was enjoying us even though we weren't we didn't we weren't that enjoyable I guess but we were somehow to him so <laughs> yeah. So I think that, you know, a lot of times we think we have to, you know, share the gospel or we have to tell someone they're living in sin if they are, or we have to distance ourselves from their sin if they are. And and I, I would just say, don't underestimate simply enjoying someone um, and being vulnerable with them as you enter in that relationship, because um, you, you know, they, they, the joy is what brings them into relationship with Jesus. It's this kindness that leads us to repentance. Mm-hmm. And you know, so I think that that's what I would just encourage them, that they are on mission. I, you know, I totally see um, everyone on mission um, and that enjoying is the biggest piece to that, I think.
0: OK, well, thanks for sharing that. Now, Tony, I also know that a lot of people who listen to the show are in the marketplace. And what I hear is that sometimes being in that position, caring deeply about missions or ministry and being called into full time vocational work can make you start to wonder if what you're doing really matters. What would you share to someone in that situation?
2: Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) You know, I, I really am an, um, an opponent for living in mission in the world and not pulling ourselves away from the world to be in a church place. Mm. Um, So, you know, my husband and I do church planting, but the the churches that we plant are churches that meet in businesses and they meet in schools and they meet in homes. Um, We've never actually institutionalized any of the churches that we've started um, and and we look at them as healthy family systems um, because we strongly believe that that's what every see you know every church needs is one healthy family system at least. Yeah. So you know if you, I would say to someone in the marketplace, you are the church. Hopefully, you and your wife, you know, or your family or your friends, um, you know, if you're single, whatever. But that that little. Um, community that you have is listening to each other and your emotions and listening to Jesus together. And, um, that's church. So if, whether you do that at work or whether you do that at school or whether you do it at home and then go into your workforce, um, you know, you're taking the seeds of the church into those workplaces. And, Um, so I think it's absolutely essential and necessary and I would live no other way, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, that's one of the reasons we, we are missionaries and get outside the church because we, we can't stay in that building, um, or that institution, um, it's just too too refi- uh, too confining for us. <laughs> as much as we love and support the local body, um, <laughs> institutionally, we we just live it out out of the walls. We have to live it out of the walls. So I say, more power to you. You guys are the real missionaries out there.
0: And and what would you share with somebody who's beginning to realize that their neighbors, their coworkers, maybe somebody at the store, is from a place that you know they're not from, and maybe a place where we think only missionaries go there.
2: Right. Um, You know, I would I think that gentle curiosity is probably one of the one of the best things that has helped Mm. me in going cross cultural um, and a teachable spirit, I think. A lot of times we are trained to look at the other and say, we have Christ. And so we have the answers and we have everything and you probably don't, you know, you're lost or, you're, you know, you're, you're from a different faith. And so we tend to have that type of attitude. And and I, I think that 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 hinders us so much because I really believe that we have more to learn from people from different faiths and different cultures. Um, You know, sometimes Christ is so in their culture already and he just hasn't been named. Mm -hmm. Um, And and sometimes they are so close to God in their beliefs um, than we are even in the way we practice faith. So I think that gentle curiosity of, you know getting to know them and, and again enjoying them no matter what and, and being curious as to their backgrounds and their cultures and and seeing Jesus in that already um, is amazing. I mean I've I've told an atheist before, you know, this is you you love people and you're so hospitable. Do you know that's one of God's characteristics? Mm-hmm. And she was like, what? <laughs> and and so I I just made it a point over years to point out all of the characteristics of God that I see in her. And encourage her in those, Um, you know, that that's just kind of the way we roll a gentle curiosity, a real teachable spirit and enjoying um, every single thing we possibly can about them.
0: Do you have maybe an Internet resource or a tool, something that you'd like to recommend for our listeners?
2: You know, for any type of church planting, or even if you want to see your own home as a church and how to grow that and nurture that, Luke 10, LK10, you know, 10, Luke 10 Communities is one of the best resources I have ever come across in 18 years, 20 years of doing church planting, um, and I, I just highly recommend it. So that's the website is lk10.com, um, and then Life Model Works is an amazing group of people who are applying brain science to our faith and helping us with you know joy and um, what that means and interactive appreciation so some of a lot of those skills in the book that that I share and I learned through them um, it's just beautiful maturity they, they really they run the gamut it's amazing beautiful integration of psychology and faith that's so biblically sound um, so it's very attractive it's just beautiful and it, it has really changed our lives and helped us grow and mature and And sense Jesus' presence with us, so those are two really useful resources that I would recommend to anybody
0: okay, and being an author, is there maybe a particular book you might recommend for us?
2: um well, besides mine, <laughs> no,
0: including yours <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay <laughs> I would definitely recommend mine back to joy. Um, you know, an intimate journey with Jesus into emotional health and maturity. um I will say it's a hard read, I think um I'm surprised you got through it so quickly. Because, as you said, a lot of people approach books with a how-to mentality, and and we just want answers, mm-hmm. and and that actually is is the part of our brain that's working for that 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 sometimes doesn't know how to apply the answers. So even if we get them, it, it doesn't really know what to do with them. It's our experiential side of our brain that actually knows how to how to apply information that it gets. So, um, so I'm writing more to the right hemisphere of the brain, the the emotional side, the experiential side, the side that really has more control over our our actions than we we would like to admit um so it is that makes it a hard read. You have to be in the space for it. You have to, you know, you have to take it in small chunks. Some people, um, because it could trigger, you know, emotional issues and stuff. So all that being said, if you're looking for something that's more brain oriented, <laughs> that, <laughs> that you can just kind of get some principles out of or things like that, I would highly recommend. Oh, I would highly recommend. Um, Joy starts here is a book. Uh, Rare leadership was just released by Dr. Wilder and Jim Mark. Uh, Dr. Wilder and Marcus. Uh, Marcus uh, Warner, I think is his last name, um, that just hot off the press. It's fantastic. Um, and then if you're wanting to grow in your listening to Jesus skills and and um, how to sense his presence, Joyful Journey, Listening to Emmanuel is fantastic um, by Dr. Lehman. Um, because it it's actually by like four authors, I think. But um, it is just lots of these um, exercises to do to sit with Jesus and do interactive appreciation and ask him questions and practice journaling. And so it, it's a great resource for that.
0: Oh, that's really good. And for those of you listening, all of these resources will be linked up in the show notes, which will be at com slash Tony M. Daniels. That's Tony is T-O-N-I, so make sure you get that spelled right or you'll get the there's no page here thing. Now, Tony, we're just about done and we're pretty close to being out of time as well. Would you mind sharing with us maybe one last piece of advice and a good way for people to connect with you? Then we'll say goodbye.
2: Great. Uh, You know, this sounds so cliche, I guess, but but it's just, it's really true. I mean, I just, I just uh, let Jesus enjoy you, really. Like, if you don't feel enjoyed by him, then you, you really need to stop and, and, and not continue the rat race, but stop and ask yourself, why do I not feel enjoyed by him? And what do I need to do about it? Because you, no one should live not feeling enjoyed period it just shouldn't even happen (laughs) so you know it took me a long time to get honest with myself and admit that i was not feeling enjoyed because honestly it didn't seem very christian to admit that so Mm -hmm. i lived a lot of years um you know going through the motions and pulled it off and convinced lots of people that i was the best christian ever (laughs) Um, got money to go overseas and do it you know but um but yeah so I would just say you know get quiet and and ask you know yourself do I feel enjoyed by him and if not you've got a beautiful journey ahead of you that's full of surprise um, so enter that journey. Um, people, a way to get in touch with me, I've got a website, toniamdaniels.com Um, it's, you know, very primitive cause I'm really new at some of this stuff, but they can definitely get in touch with me through that website and find out a little bit more about me. And I've got some blogs on there and, um, some videos And I'm on YouTube, um, Tony M. Daniels, as well. And on that, I'm trying to do videos that resource people. So they might teach you how to quiet. Um, They might talk a little bit about resources and which resources would be helpful and which wouldn't be helpful. Um, Some of it's in Spanish as well. And then I'm on Facebook at Back to Joy. Um, and that, that Facebook community, we're trying to just have a platform for people who are interacting with this book or these concepts to be able to find each other and talk about it, share their joy stories, and um, you know just exchange resources together. So that's just getting up and running, but that's another place to hopefully find some people.
0: Well, Tony, thank you so much. This has been a true delight.
2: Thank you, Brian. It's been really nice to meet
0: you. That's all the time we had with Tony M. Daniels. I'm really thankful that she took the time to do this. I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope that you did as well. If you made it this far, you're definitely going to want to stop by her website, tonymdaniels.com, and you're also going to pick up You're going to want to pick up a copy of her book. You'll find links to everything that we talked about in the show notes at engagingmissions.com slash Tony M. Daniels. And then make sure that you stop back next week because if everything goes well, we're going to be starting a new series about involving children in ministry. This will be really good for parents who are interested in investing in their children as well as perhaps grandparents wanting to continue to pass down their faith through the generations, by working alongside children and grandchildren. Our first guests are going to be Justin and Josiah Steidinger, who just returned from a mission trip to Myanmar, or formerly known as Burma. You're definitely going to want to stop by and do that. And if you're worried that you're going to forget, make sure that you maybe subscribe to the show. You can use Apple's podcast app. We're in Stitcher. We're on Google Play. Links to all of that stuff are in the show notes at engagingmissions.com slash Tony M. Daniels. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.